Welcome to this week's episode of the My Mysterious Bible Podcast, the podcast where if it's mysterious, it matters. I am Michael Norton and I will be your host for this week. This week we'll be looking at the floating iron axe head found in 2 Kings 6 verses 1 through 7, which I will now read from the ESV. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Okay, I'm going to be quoting from a commentary, critical, experimental, and practical on the Old Testament and New Testaments. And this is Joshua slash Esther volume 2. It was borrowed, literally begged. The scholar's distress arose from the consideration that the axe had been lent to him, and that owing to his poverty he could not procure another. 6. Cut down a stick and cast it in thither. Although this means was used, it had no natural adaptation to make iron swim. Besides, the Jordan is at Jericho so deep and rapid that there were a thousand to one chance against the stick falling into the hole of the axe head. All attempts to account for the recovery of the lost implement on such a theory must be rejected. The iron did swim only by the miraculous exertion of Elisha's power. We gain some key insights from this resource. Losing the borrowed iron axe head would have put the individual in debt to the owner of it. At Jericho, the Jordan River is so deep and swift that there would be no chance at all of fishing the iron axe head out with a stick. And number three, the iron axe head came to the surface by a miracle. Next we turn to 1 and 2 Kings, Volume 8, from the New American Commentary. Elisha's next miracle parallels the multiplying of the oil in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, the curing of the stew in 2 Kings 4, 38 through 41, and the feeding of the 100 in 2 Kings 4, 42 through 44. Each of these stories portrays Elisha saving the prophets or the prophet's families from physical want or financial disaster. His miraculous powers help him to be the perfect master in these crisis situations. Due to lack of space, the company of the prophets decide to build a larger home. Wilson states that this building project, coupled with the earlier text, indicates the company of the prophets lived together, ate together, and worked together, yet maintained a separate family life. During the community effort to build, one of the prophets loses an accident in the Jordan River. The prophet bemoans the accident since iron was expensive in, in biblical times and the student was very poor. Elisha removes the almost certain debt by making the accident float. The text clearly presents the event as a miracle rather than Elisha's ability to insert a stick into the axe head or to move the iron to shallower water. So we get 
our next set of key insights from this resource. Number four, this miracle is another along the lines of the previous miracles Elisha had performed. And number five, iron was expensive and profits were poor. Next, we'll turn to the IVP background commentary in the Old Testament, Electronic Edition. Chapter 6, verse 5, Iron Attic said, Though this period was already well into the Iron Age, and iron is becoming more widely available as technology and smelting procedures are being improved, implements of iron remain expensive and valuable. 6.6. Six. Floating Axe Head One category of magic involved rites of contact and transference. Through the contact with magically endowed objects, properties, or other characteristics were believed to be transferred from one object to another. The biblical text does not mention what type of wood Elijah cut, but in Mesopotamian practice, tamarisk wood was often used in such rituals. Though some may be reluctant to see God's prophet making such extensive use of what appears to be magical practices, the fact remains that these would have appeared to, as magic to the ancient observers. So this is our sixth takeaway from our resources. Here we find that in the ancient Near East, this type of supernatural event was a known phenomenon, one that was typically practiced by pagan magicians. Next, we're going to look at an excellent thesis by Gwendolyn Karen Leidemann, titled Magic in the Ancient Near East with Special Reference to Ancient Israel. And this was her thesis for her master's degree. And it is very well done. I normally wouldn't reference someone's thesis, but this one is so well done that I decided to go ahead and use it. And she defines imitative magic this way. As noted above, the phenomenon of magic is described by Fraser as magic by similarity or contagion. So imitative magic is when something takes on a property of something else, and it's usually done by contact. So in our case, it would be an iron hacks head gaining the property to float like wood by a stick being thrown into the river. Quoting the thesis again, Another possible example of imitative magic may be found in 2 Kings 6, 1-7, where the sons of the prophets felt that their dwelling was too small. They went back to Elisha to ask permission to go to the Jordan to get logs, and we've already covered all this, but I'm going to go ahead and read it verbatim from her thesis. So they went to Elisha to ask permission to go to the Jordan to get logs to make a place for them to dwell there. While they were there busy cutting down the trees, an axe borrowed from another person fell into the river. Elisha came to their rescue. He asked, where did it fall? When he was shown the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in the river and made the iron float. Here one can consider the act as an example of imitative magic. It is mostly difficult to distinguish between miraculous powers and magical acts. Therefore, the analysis of this subject will consist of the rituals carried out by prominent figures in the Hebrew Bible, like Moses, Aaron, Elijah, Elisha, and other acts of magic. Under this heading of magical actions, we will investigate miraculous actions, imitative magic, and sympathetic magic. End quote. So, this is a case of a prophet performing a miracle, but doing it in a way that resembles pagan, pagan magical rites. There is something similar but somewhat inverted when the magicians in Pharaoh's court turned their staves into serpents after Aaron had cast down his staff and it had turned into a serpent. 
Of course, Aaron's serpent devoured the other two, making it clear who was serving the one true omnipotent God. So, we'll be wrapping it up here. In conclusion, this event is no doubt miraculous. It is one of a series of miracles of provision that God works through Elisha. Miraculously recovering the iron implement saved the unlucky wood-chopping prophet from a massive debt he would very unlikely be able to repay. The miracle resembles a pagan magical practice of what modern scholars call imitative magic. And magic is surely what it would have looked like to the witnesses. But just because God chose to do it this way through Elisha doesn't mean that it doesn't give validity to the practice outside of God's providence, outside of his power, outside of his will. This was the will of God in this situation. Just like we had both sides of the coin turning staves into snakes back in Exodus. Just because the enemy can imitate something that God can do doesn't mean that it's good when they do it. When God does it, it's great. When the enemy imitates it and glorifies the other kingdom with it, it is not good. So that is how, that is why this very strange because if you don't know this context it's very strange when he just breaks off a branch and throws it in the river and the axe head floats but this would have been a known thing this would have this is a historical cultural context for this passage that this was a common type of magic practiced back in this time and that concludes this week's episode don't forget to check out our website at MyMysteriousBible.com and our Facebook group, My Mysterious Bible. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, please email me at MyMysteriousBible at gmail.com.